Hello, my name is Zach Robichaud. And I'm Jackie Mignot. You're listening to the podcast Made Flesh. Conversations about an embodied faith. We are at the spectacular Calgary Central Library, sipping our Luke's coffee, sitting down with people to talk about the incarnation. We aren't reporters or experts, but we are questioners, and we are on a quest to have a conversation around the central Christian belief that God became flesh. to this episode of the podcast Made Flesh. Uh, I'm introducing this, although it's strange. Uh, I am the only man uh, talking with four women about what it means to live in a woman's body. And so I really didn't have much to uh, contribute to the conversation except for questions and um, maybe uh, big eyes. Uh, So... I'm just laughing. It was such a great conversation. Um, it was. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, no, but it was okay. so, it was um, joy-filled and dead serious and um, all the things that living in a woman's body holds. It just represented that for me. Um, and I just thoroughly love talking to these three women from various ages and experiences in life. Yeah, of, of all the... Uh the conversations we've had so far uh the other ones have been more in my head and more Mm. challenged thinking and this is the first time that uh, one of our conversations actually like made me take notice of my own body and uh this is yeah this is not comfortable for me Ah. (laughs) it's so new anyways i hope you really enjoy this conversation with anya olson Jana hart and sherry tates conversation to be about embodiment so if we take the embodiment of God seriously and it we hold it to be something true and something we look for and trust that is good um, then we will also take our own embodiments seriously Um, one of the phrases I have always in my head is uh, it's uh, it just says matter matters so if matter matters to God then matter matters to us and our bodies are made of matter, and so they matter. So then the thought after that thought was, I want to talk to women who are in different stages of their lives um, about what it's been like and what it is like to live in their bodies and to grapple with what it means to be an enfleshed human being. This sounds like a large um, thing to talk about (laughs) in an hour and a half, so we will not exhaust this topic um, in any way, uh, but I want to, yeah, I want to just start the conversation. I also want to say this. Um, we here in this room, we're all fairly probably come from similar-ish class places, social locations, and we are all white. And so in some ways, the conversation we're having on what it means to be embodied is like a sliver of a sliver of what it means to be embodied in this world. Um, So, because there's lots of things we can't talk to and we can't speak to from our own experiences and our own embodied experiences. So I kind of want to name that before we go on so that no one is thinking, uh, or no one listening thinks, oh, well, this is must be the normal or they think this is the normal way of being embodied. It's just our way, uh, these individual women's ways of being embodied in the world. 
and hopefully that opens up those some questions and um, doorways into well doorways into empathy for sure um, um, but just raises some questions and yeah and we can have a good conversation on what that means um, so, for that. so yeah, so also probably to name is that we have Zach in the room who is the not in, a woman. Not a woman. <laughs> in in the room. any any stage of life, yeah. Um, so, I think we can get started just mm -hmm. by uh, having you introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Anya. I am twenty years old. Um, and I grew up in the church. Um, mm -hmm. I just recently took a year to study theology after having a bit of a um, faith crisis. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was actually it was actually kind of around this subject that drew me back into Christianity, and so I'm very excited to be talking about this. So. Oh, we're gonna be friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jana? I'm Jana. I'm 42. I just finished my preschool teaching career, so looking forward to. Hmm. Um, I would say what's next, but I'm looking forward to actually a period of kind of rest and quiet and reflection as much as I can have with four children. <laughs> yeah, so that's a part home. of your life right. too. <laughs> also that. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I have a daughter, so uh, this is obviously a subject near and dear to my heart for her as well as for raising three boys. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see what comes out today. Yeah, cool. And I'm Sherry and I'm 65. Um, yeah, I would say that this whole topic is something in the last 10 years, maybe, I've been living into a little more mm -hmm. awake, um, but in the last year even, I, it's kind of embarrassing really, it feels like it's taken me my whole life mm. to really live somewhere other than just in my head. This life in God, with God, but in the world, with the world and with others, right. with myself. Yeah. So I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, me too. I don't know if we need to say this aloud. So I don't know if this is a full disclosure moment. Sherry is also my spiritual director. So, oh. so she knows stuff about me <laughs> that no one else does. I know, I know how to invite Jackie into yes, this kind of conversation. She does. And pay attention. Yes. Not so easy with my own self. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, just so everybody knows. Um, what does embodiment mean to you? If we're going to start there, what does that mean? Alternate question, what does being embodied mean in this stage in your life? So you kind of just, Sherry, you almost mentioned that it's just really recently, but yeah. Yeah, I, it really has taken me this long to recognize that my body is what grounds me in the here and now. My body is what has me here, present, and that's where God is, that's where I am, that's where people are. And I realize I've lived a lot of my life stuck up in my head. And so, yeah, the last number of years, but maybe even especially the last year, all kinds of invitation to kind of drop down from my thinking into a body place. My breath often gets me there. Um, and then trying to live a little more of my life from that place. Recognizing a connection, I think. That's the only way I really feel connected to me, to the divine, to creation, to people, 
Are you angry that it took this long? You know, Do you feel like there's a loss of, hey, there's 50 years, I could have been living uh, more into this? You know what, I think over the last 10 years, this has been a gradual journey, so I think I've been through that. I'm not now, I'm really thankful now yeah. to have this invitation. Mm -hmm. It's a constant invitation and it feels like um, it's not, it doesn't just come easy. I'm, I'm continually kind of noticing where I'm stuck and inviting myself to be here. What, what sort of things, aha, I got the question first. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of things have you found that, or like uh, beliefs or stopped you from kind of living into that earlier? Like that you kind of had to shed or name in the yeah. last 10 years? Well, some beliefs for sure are on just the flesh being, can't, you can't trust the flesh. Mm -hmm. Certainly that was a belief. But I think even more than that, I had my own way of surviving, which meant to I worked really hard mm -hmm. um, to have a strong, healthy, fit, beautiful body. For a lot of my life, it was my survival. Mm. It's how I survived, and so um, it's how I felt okay about me. It's how I felt at ease in my body, but it's also how I felt pleasing in the world. So it was more like this compulsive um, way of feeling some worth. Yeah, I think it was more that even than what I believed. Mm. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Anna, do you want to go? I think at this point in my life, a lot of it is, I, I, what you just said really resonated with me as well. Spent a lot of my life in my brain, um, and my body was just this like thing that I wasn't really, it's awkward, I'm not, not sure what I'm supposed to do mm -hmm. with the rest of this thing. Um, yeah. But at this stage in my life, it's really moved into attending to my body instead of kind of bypassing my body mm -hmm. or overriding my body but actually listening to what my body is telling me um, getting in tune with what it's telling me it needs and actually then doing those things yeah. right it's all these <laughs> levels right yeah. like you know I'm tired so I, I need to sleep and then actually making those choices to make that happen and yeah I'm 42 and it's taken this long to actually make all those steps come together um, so I would say for me right now embodiment is just a lot about being in tune with my physical being mm -hmm. um, and being in tune with what it's telling me it needs and responding mm. that's good thanks well I think I've been very lucky because I've never I'm way more a body, like my knowledge, I just trust my intuition, everything is in my body already. Like mm -hmm. it, it hasn't taken me 40 or 50 years to get there, which I, I know and acknowledge is such a, such a gift mm -hmm. that I have, that I've been given, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think embodiment for me is just um, being able to recognize that my body actually has, has memory and has knowledge and wisdom and intuition and often, Often before my brain catches up, my body's already there, mm -hmm. and so, so yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's my, that would be my definition is, yeah, respecting the fact that my body's wisdom is, 
often a couple seconds ahead of my brains. Can you give us an example of that? For me, it's always in just like gut instinct reactions, like, oh, maybe I should, I always listen to my gut instinct, even if it's like, oh, I didn't lock my car, maybe I should go back and lock my car. And I never know, like, maybe someone was going to break in or not. I don't know, but I, it's in those kind of little, my mom calls them blink moments, mm-hmm. that I, that I just listen to those. Yeah, something in you is like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, and there's not really a way to explain it, but I can, it's just mm-hmm. informing me. Yeah, yeah. To maybe consider something I hadn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the next obvious question then, I don't know if it's obvious, <clears throat> obvious to me, <laughs> is um, what is hard about it? What's hard about being an embodied creature? What, yeah, I just went right there. (laughs) We'll talk about good stuff later. Um, Because I think that's what it is. Like so much of this is part of a journey of of living here in this body, Um, but there's so many things that are hard about that too. so I don't know if we could name some of those things, what your journey has been. Um, and then probably part of that conversation will be what the change has been for you, if there has been a change, like what coming into that. But even, I mean, even so you were saying you trust your body, Anya, um, but even there was a, some sort of shift in mm. your theology about Absolutely. that and that drew you to. So some of those, yeah, we can talk about what's being hard and then if it leads into what has shifted, that would be good too. So part of my story has been not trusting my body to such a degree that I don't feed it well. That's been part of my story 20 years ago. And I think um, for me coming out of that, I'm, when you said that, I, I made the joke of, oh, we're, we're going to be friends. Because for me, very similarly, some of the things that brought me away from my faith was the, the ways that bodies were not included in this and in, in, in the embodiment I had to live through was not included or valid and the story I lived through just was on the other side of what where meaning was in this faith do you know what I mean like all the I don't know if that made sense how I said that but part of my coming I will always say like my salvation whatever I'm saved from and for it has to do with me coming back to my body and trusting um, trusting my body enough to eat well um so that's part of for me that's been that has that is a root in my story that i that kind of shapes how i see a lot of things and i think um what's hard about living in your body is is it has there's issues of control in there because the the eating thing for me was not a um not exactly a um body image thing though that's of course there's parts of it you can't live in this culture without that being part of it um but it was more of a a method of control so i could control things if i could control my body and that that's where the 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 power it had over me lay um so yeah so sometimes talking about living in bodies there's conversations about control in there too which is hard yeah 
That, yeah, that's interesting because that's kind of what's changed mm-hmm. um, for me. Is, yeah. Um, I'm not that far removed from high school and all of the joys that come with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I. It was definitely about control because I could use I could use my body as a weapon to get what I wanted, but I could also mm-hmm. have my body used as a weapon against me. Wow. And so it wasn't actually. Yeah, it was like this other, this other entity. It wasn't really me. It was just this thing that I had that other people liked and that that was totally about power and control like and manipulation and so part of the journey has been like coming to see that that's like that's such a shallow way of seeing seeing my body and so yeah like coming into coming into my body as and accepting her as part of myself and yeah inextricably like I can't separate myself from my body like like I had tried to do right so so yeah it's yeah definitely power and control mm. play have played a part in my story as well interesting and I absolutely that resonates with me as well um <laughs> when I was a little kid I loved like never you know my body was this functional thing it was all about like climbing trees and running yeah. around and all the things yeah. that my body could do and I just loved my body and then I hit puberty really early and mm-hmm. suddenly was getting all of this attention that I didn't know what to do with because right. I was still really young. And mm-hmm. it, after a couple of years of that, I shut down. I, I too deprived my body of food as a way of making it go back to the way that it looked before puberty had hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's that there is that control piece because I wanted to go back to the time before when people weren't viewing me this certain way, um, yeah. you know, and suddenly objectifying me. Um, I wanted to go back to being a person that people saw as a whole person. And uh, yeah. so so that was really tough. And, um, and I remember thinking, you know, okay, you know, working through um, eating disorders kind of back and forth for, for about a decade. Um, and just recognizing that the world around me isn't actually going to change. People huh. are going to continue to um, objectify me and not see me as a whole person. And so I need to take ownership for myself, not control, yeah. but ownership yeah. of, of who I am and yeah. knowing that that's what I'm putting yeah. out there and what other people are going to choose to do with that is for other people mm. to work through. Right. But I needed to make peace with that for myself. Wow. In my body. Yeah. Um, what shifted? Or could you name specific times when you could take that back, that sense of your wholeness in your own body? So I remember ninth grade was the worst that it ever was. Mm. And my father would pray over me every night. And I had really reached a point, a really little point, um, and I think actually said to him, I don't know why you're bothering. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he just wouldn't stop every night. He would come in and lay hands on me and pray over me. Right. And that was a real turning point for me that he would not give up, even though I had in a sense had given up. Right. He, he was like, no, I am right. I'm fighting for you. God is fighting for you. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he just consistently did that finally broke through. Huh. And um, yeah, wow. I mean, truly, God, God healed me in that. Mm-hmm. In that, 
absolutely. Um, and and just even a lot of it is is healing your mind as well, right? As your body, um, mm. that that sense of letting go of that control and releasing that control to God, mm. and just the ways that He then led me to understand my relationship with my body right. going forward. I'm hearing your father's seeing you um, was a was a kind of a healing or a, a you know, just an invitation to like also see you mm-hmm. yeah that's that's good so the role of parents even in embodiment parents seeing their kids for who they are and not really trying to control mm-hmm. or, or do anything like that like that that can be a, a big I think it is so super important. So important. Yeah. And naming those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, naming those things in your children mm-hmm. too, right? I see you. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is who I see. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't you you're so confused, you don't right. know who you are. And so someone else saying, yeah. I see you mm-hmm. is very powerful. And someone who's seen you from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I feel like I'm hearing little pieces of my own journey over the years. Certainly a sense of having some power in my body and getting the kind of attention that I thought I needed to feel worthy mm-hmm. and also all kinds of disordered trying to manage what I ate and how I ate to, again, feel comfortable in my body. And now the difficulty is I have an old body. Hmm. <laughs> And so as much as in some ways it's bringing me home, like it's yeah. this, the, I know the gift of it, but oh my God, it's humbling. And it's hard. It's, it's hard sometimes to just realize I have an old body. Hmm. A number of years ago, probably later 50s, I hit, um, I had a complete, so a postmenopausal contemplative woman I hit an absolute <laughs> adrenal crash, right. a crash that took years to heal. Right. But it helped me recognize, I mean, at first it just felt like my body has betrayed me, let me mm. down, I'm not strong, I'm not beautiful, I'm not any of the things I had counted on all those years. And it took me a long time to realize, oh, but no, really, my body is my ally. And it really helps me to see now, it helped me see then boundaries that were out of place, a lack of boundaries around energy and money and pleasing people and all kinds of things. Wow. Um, and it's still kind of my radar. So it is, a, it is a monitor I have now. I can feel, even if I go to spend some money that I shouldn't be spending, I feel this anxiety in my body that just never used to be there. Wow. So yeah. there's a goodness, but it's, it, yeah. it's, it's an adjustment. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know what an ad- adrenal crash is. Oh. I bet Yanya could tell us. Hey, like, yeah, just a hormonal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So adrenals, I don't even really know how to describe them, but they, they really are the energy supply Mm -hmm. in the body. And if you push, 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 it's like having your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. If you push, 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 finally your adrenals just give out. 
Yeah, and, and then especially after menopause because yeah. your hormone, like your female hormone production, stops happening in your uterus and then it's yeah. taken up by your adrenals. So if they're oh. not taken care of, then this new burden of needing to produce like um, estrogen and progesterone, like yeah, they'll get they'll get tuckered out. Oh my gosh! And it was a complete crash. So it felt like somebody had unplugged my power source, wow. exhausted, depressed, could barely work. I was still facilitating courses. I would have to sleep in in the morning. The guys would bring me breakfast. I'd lay down in the afternoon. Oh, gosh, I, yeah. yeah. I was sick. And it took, I mean, it took a good three years to feel like I was more myself, but it took a good six years mm. to feel well. Wow. What do you have to do to come out of that? How do you rest, just rest and rest and rest mm. and eat really well, nourish my body. Um, maybe the most important piece was learning how to say what I needed and mm. learning how to say no to what would not be best for me. Mm. Those were probably the most important pieces. I remember when, when my husband died, I was 45 years old. And I remember thinking then, I have a year. The world is going to give me a year to feel whatever the hell I feel, to do whatever I need to do, to not do what I don't want to do. And I honestly, I'd had a lifetime of irritable bowel. I had, it was absolutely a year of wellness in my body. Mm. Wow. So that's been a hard fought lesson. Because yeah. I think that like you said something about that too overriding your body is our go-to I don't know if it's cultural and I, I mean so as women like I've been and I've been really struggling with this because I I've said yes to so many things I've said yes to a job I've said yes to this I've said yes to having a family I've said yes to being married to that guy I'm married to now we're married <laughs> 15 years in I'm just joking, everything's fine. But but saying yes requires me then putting certain energies out. And I'm really struggling with how to listen to what my body needs. And my brain is going, well, that, no, you should be fine. You should be fine. Just, like, just do it. Just get over it. Just, I know you're tired. So after Christmas, Christmas is busy. I didn't even have to preach on Christmas. But I preached couple days before and I was exhausted I, I watched three Christmas Prince movies in my bed with my 11 year old I literally could not do anything on Boxing Day and then this whole past week I've been so tired and then stressed and then angry at my kids like it just tired stress anger that's how it goes <laughs> right um, and I don't know how to rest without this part of my brain saying yeah just keep moving keep going you're being indulgent like how do you how do we listen well to our bodies am I like so that I'm listening well are there times where you'd push through or is that not true like I'm I'm just trying to ask that question for I think everyone <laughs> in our culture of busyness and and stress where our bodies get overridden for the whatever good we think we're doing right I, don't know. I think you, I think part of it is just knowing yourself and your own tendencies. Right. I my inclination, my what I have to practice is turning that off and resting. 
Right. I know my natural inclination is to just keep going. Right. Just keep going. Yeah. And I, I liked your brain comment because my brain is totally like, well, if it fits in the schedule, then you should be able to do it. Yes. <laughs> but as right? we get older, we discover it's like, oh, I, I, I can't do those 15 things right? well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, and the well part, right? Yeah. 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 And can I just yeah. say to that, I, there really is no formula, right? No. There just isn't. And I think what I'm learning more and more, what I'm knowing to be more true, is it takes a listening for me. Mm-hmm. It takes getting quiet and listening. And there is a body knowing, there is an intuitive knowing, there is a God in me knowing what I need, what's the next right thing. But then that's a practice of slowing right. down. It has been for me. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so so I didn't really slow down until I had to. Right. I didn't stop yeah. until I had to. Yeah, as far as like filling filling your schedule to the brim, to like to the level that you can't actually function anymore. I think I uh, it's great for me, not so great for my parents, but they're both really bad at that, <laughs> saying no and making space. <laughs> And so I watched both of them like right. collapse, and I'm like, well, that doesn't look super fun. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've kind of yeah, just like growing up in that household where it, mm-hmm. we're all introverts, but we're all very busy, and right. so yeah, it's it was just interesting when that kind of clicked and became a really important practice to me. Is yeah. like, okay, well, I'm not gonna just say yes because somebody asks. Yeah, like if I can actually, yeah, if I can actually do this, then. Absolutely, I'll do it. But if I if I don't, there's no there's no shame or harm or guilt in saying no. Right. And so yeah, that was like same after Christmas. So I was at I was in Edmonton for a day, and then back to Calgary, and then out to my grandma's farm, and then I was gonna go to Banff to visit a friend who right. was there, um, and then I was going to Saskatoon the next day to visit my boyfriend. So <laughs> it was just a bit of a lot of driving. Mm-hmm. But and so yeah, I just decided I was like no I this friend in Banff, like she's going to be in Banff for a couple months and I don't have to go see her today. Yeah. I, that can wait. And so, yeah, I told my mom that she's like, wow, I'm so proud of you. You're doing so good. Like you're doing better than me. And I was like, I know I'm proud of me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of you I too. There's something that I'm hearing and that I guess I have a question. I, w- women run the world, at least they don't, they don't rule over the world, but they allow the world to function. I've lived in a few different countries, and I've seen that you know women do all of the cooking, cleaning, laboring in the fields, um, you know, bringing home the bacon and <laughs> cooking it basically. Um, and I mean that's a that's a big statement and overgeneralization. Um, do you feel that pressure um, in making maybe not the entire planet, but at least your household or your place of work? Um, do you feel that it kind of hinges on you differently than maybe guys feel that? Because I, I, I have pressure. I'm a teacher. I have, you know, I have deadlines and people depending on me. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I have duties, in air quotes, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, I, people do depend on me. But I feel like women get depended on more. And I don't know, does that pressure play into this not listening to the body as well or mm-hmm. I, I think for me I don't I don't know that women are like objectively dependent on more but I think often we 
take up that role ourselves and like create other people's dependence on us well physically like you have infants literally depending <laughs> for their life yeah on, on you yeah so i mean that's kind of built into your yeah. physiology yeah. yeah and societally like then that just kind of carries on a little bit but well see and that's so it's so interesting this is why i was like 20s 40s and 60s because we're gonna have different experiences of what it is to be a woman totally in the world um yeah i guess because for me like i it's there's t- nobody who actually relies on me but i yet <laughs> <laughs> exactly but i yeah but i feel like i still take up that yeah that role yeah yeah i i don't know if this is true i don't know sociology it is a gendered role to take care it happens that way um to the degree where you will put yourself in harm's way to do it, like uh, again and again, right? Um, I would say, for me, yes, I I feel the burden to hold all the things together. I don't know how to, um, because even if I don't hold all the things together, I then have to be the one to tell the other people to hold things too. Like I'm still doing the holding, uh. but I have to tell people what to do next, right? Like in my house. Jana, why are you doing this? Like this is my life right yes. there. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about all the times that I tell my, ask my husband to do something and then it's like, did you do it? Well, did you do it like this? <laughs> Let me just do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, very much uh, agree with, with that statement about feeling responsible for, for the caring and concern of my family and my home. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I've noticed is that a lot of the things that I do in my family are somewhat invisible. Hmm. So when I clean up the house, nobody comes home and says, wow, the house looks amazing. Like, kids don't see that stuff. Um, You know, I'm having quiet conversations with my kids about, you know, whatever is tearing at their hearts today. Those are quiet, behind a closed door conversations. But dads, like, fix the computer. And dads, you know, like, they do these things that are like, it's fixed. It's this big thing that that is seen Mm -hmm. and so that's something that I've noticed is Mm -hmm. that a lot of my work is very kind of quiet and invisible I'm driving you to your activities I'm right it's just kind of almost you know even cooking dinner is expected it's not thank you for making this amazing of course you're making me dinner we have to eat (laughs) this happens every day right And meal plan and shop. So then what I decided was I was going to really start baking because people get super excited about baking. Yeah. Because they don't expect it. So. Uh, And I've gone in the actual, like, total opposite where I don't do anything. So people just don't expect anything from me. (laughs) Like, what? There's a a cucumber in the fridge. (laughs) Go help yourself. (laughs) I'm joking. First come, first serve. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, you you used a phrase of holding all things together, which is kind of a big phrase. uh, Yeah. About Christ. (laughs) 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 Is that uh, maybe a woman's image of Christ? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable reflecting. Well, then tear it apart. I'm putting this apart. I'm putting this on the table. (laughs) I know. If we are all made in the image of God, and we all can reflect God back, and if God holds all things together, shouldn't we also participate in that? Don't we participate in this? And do women have a special um, role, or do they feel like they have a special role? Or I don't know. And you are all speaking for all women. (laughs) <laughs> no pressure from, from your own perspective do you feel that I mean I've heard yes now it's, is that okay, not good? does anyone else have a, a response because my I'll argue with Zach if we want no I want Sherry to <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> oh, I mean maybe at one point mm-hmm. in my life that was yeah that probably at one point that would have felt true that this is expected of me um, to love unconditionally, to be there for whatever anybody needs, for sure. Mm. But but then I think it, it quickly moved to a place of, this is how I am worthy. Mm-hmm. This right. is what makes me worthwhile. Yeah, is I'm needed. I'm needed. Um, like when my adrenals crashed, I actually was living in Calgary. I I was on my own moved to Red Deer to live with my son and his two little ones because he was going through a divorce. So I was living in the home with them, helping run that home, coming back and forth to Calgary, offering spiritual direction, facilitating, and driving back to Red Deer. And it was after a year I finally moved out of his house because I knew I was unwell, but I stayed there for another year until I was completely done. Right. And even then when I told my son I had to leave, we both cried. I mean, he cried, I cried. Right. So it was, it was more, I, I don't think I had any, I had a sense that certainly it was God's heart for me to be there and love and care for and mm-hmm. watch over, but it quickly became, I'm a crappy mother if I don't do this. Right. Yeah, I think that's where this light, the, the tension of, of we image God with what we do and roles and how we are embodied in the world, all the ways that touches other people but there's this intention then of but we but we can't say that that's all we are or that's all that is because then that that's where our worth lies in what we do and how we give our bodies for the world because and and we instinctively know that's not true because we've come up to the limits of that of oh no I'm doing all the things oh and I'm still not worthy of your love to in whatever you know what I mean like we come to the end of that logic, and so we instinctively know there's something more. Like you, Jenna, you were talking about this too. Like you, our bodies, it's so complicated, women's relationships with their bodies, I think in some ways, because um, they literally bring the life. Every single human you see here, <laughs> the hundreds that are in this building right now came from a woman's body, and and yet our bodies are idolized and objectified but then also denigrated and used and um hurt and like there's such a weirdness of of what it means to live in this body um i don't know i don't know why i went there but yeah do you think like i don't know that i was trying to earn god's love no but i need you to love me yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's it like it it goes there because then I think like I want to hear more about Anya about where you've come back to 
your roots of faith through your body mm. because um, that seems to be kind of like a lot of our stories is that it's been what we lived through in our bodies that have led us back to knowing we are wholly loved not just what we do or look like or whatever yeah, yeah. well for me like it's it actually started when I started um, just like reflecting on my period hmm. <coughs> and yeah like like I I counted in Australia I was like I've menstruated back then it was like 73 times and so that was just like and that was really cool to me um, and then so yeah just like reflecting on on how my body has these rhythms and these rituals like built in right um, yeah that that connect me to the earth that connect me to other people connect me to other women like mm. it's just this fascinating thing that my body is wired for connection and for ritual and that yeah I feel like faith is a great place to go to find both those things oh wow yeah I like <laughs> like, like oh that's cool let's write a book about that what podcast listeners can't see is that Jackie's brain is now on the floor <laughs> we'll have to clean that up play some music and, uh, okay and then we'll come back I love that it was your body and you kind of like taking time to think about rhythms and rituals that led you into a space of, of faith like, or trust yeah or, like being okay with yeah. exploring this faith that I didn't really trust mm-hmm. huh yeah but yeah kind of seeing that that there was these rituals and this sense of connection and community like that was the part that I was like okay I'm like I'm fully on board with this and the and the incarnation as well actually was like because right. we went to a bunch of like explored a whole bunch of different faiths um mm. and and it was ultimately the incarnation like this emphasis on bodily life that right that like that was the thing at the middle that I was like, okay, I can I can make Christianity work for myself if this is, like if this is a core, yeah, something. This is a core, to. yeah, part of the faith. Yeah. In the Old Testament, like, the period is unclean. A woman is unclean during her period. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Bible's role in kind of distancing, you know, right. the, this unclean part of your body from God Mm. Um, you know but then Jesus kind of flipping that on its head and then actually touching all the unclean things dead bodies lepers bleeding women um, like this is uh, to me that that really does need to be like said over and over again that like this is not about unclean yes anymore like there's nothing unclean anymore and that now we can actually enter into that and say well then what's good about it? What? How does God teach us through this? Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm glad yeah. you. I, yeah, I've done yeah. a whole bunch of just like journaling about it, and because it's all about like I don't know for my me my period is all about life and death and regeneration. Like mm. my endometrium grows thicker and thicker, and then there's no life, and so it dies and it falls out, and then there's room for new things to grow. And so that just happens like every every twenty eight days, well twenty seven for me. But <laughs> and so it just it just keeps on happening, and I just think that's like so incredible. But yeah, I think for me, I like it, I had to tap into more like Eastern religions and indigenous cultures to find that sense of oh, it's not an unclean time; it's actually a time of purification. Like mm-hmm. I'm actually yeah, I'm emptying myself. 
and preparing for yeah whatever this new season this these next 27 right. days will bring we're all like to know that in your twenties right. <laughs> is so incredible, and the shift of yeah, what is the shift that we can see that like you can hear that in your twenties, and we could not because it was so like you don't talk about it, you don't, do <laughs> any, you, you don't admit that this happens, right? Like right, right. and you don't lay hidden. down, hidden. Yeah, <laughs> no, you keep going. You do not rest. You don't right. There's well, the commercials are all about not laying down. Like, yeah, the they are. Like, <laughs> you can still be active. <laughs> I, I actually saw a pad the other day, and it's this Like a Girl campaign oh, that okay. I think it, I don't remember what company right. it is, but it actually said, keep going like a girl on the wrapper of this oh, sanitary yeah, pad. And I was like... This is the worst. <laughs> Just pop a Motrin and... Again, but again, it's like these dual narratives of like, girls are weak and must rest and da-da-da-da-da. So then the alternate narrative is, keep going, do everything Don't you can do. Stop. Don't ever stop. <laughs> and there's like, the truth is somewhere about how to live in our bodies is somewhere not on either of those ends. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Oh, mm. interesting. Mm. Um what okay so i have more questions i wanted to ask i wanted to go to kind of touch on something sherry said so sherry you were talking about um listening and hearing the invitation to hear your body i kind of want to talk about like what for you what are those indicators like the the knocks on the door for you like what does listening look like or feel like Mm -hmm. sense like okay um, like a couple of months ago, I was teaching out at Kingsfold, and halfway through the week in the middle, we had a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So even though I felt really comfortable with all that we were talking about, and I felt somewhat connected to what I was saying, I felt completely disconnected from my body and from mm-hmm. any kind of emotional response to anything. Right. And so right in the middle is a Sabbath day and was gift. So I remember just taking the day, going and curling up on a couch and just saying, okay, if there's anything for me to hear in this day, just let me hear it. And so over the course of a day, I just, I noticed this. I'd been living through in that week actually with some incredible digestive pain Mm. and some chest pain, like some heart pain. And um, so I just kind of took the morning to just place my hands and just be still and listen and noticed at one point this awareness of my heart being closed Mm. most especially I remarried four years ago and so I've been trying to learn how to do that all over again (laughs) it just sounds like a lot of oh my god to do it twice I'm sorry well I knew you know what there was something about it that I knew somehow this is for my healing but Mm. oh my gosh what a journey it's been so I felt real pain in my gut for like two days and in my chest so I just was still and listening noticing my heart has been closed and with this awareness of oh and it's not Bill's fault and it's not my parents fault it's not even my fault it's just what is and so I had a good cry and just spent some time journaling and 
even in that started to feel somewhat connected to this inner landscape and this place where love kind of resides was starting to wake up a bit and so I went for a walk in the afternoon and I had the most incredible real knowing that I think maybe I've ever had and all of a sudden um, there was a pain in my groin that connected with my gut that connected with my heart and in a flash I knew something I, I knew I'd been sexually abused when I was six, mm -hmm. but I didn't have a lot of detail around it. And all of a sudden I was aware of something that had happened that had kept my heart so afraid. But this pain, literally, it was a pain and a pressure that moved through my body, connecting all of these parts of me. Mm -hmm. And it just and kind of let go. So I spent the rest of the day just in that awareness. It was like there was not anything more I needed to know. Mm. It, it came with such a clarity. And then as I sat and journaled, it was just this overwhelming sense of, but it's okay. It wasn't dealt with very well when I was a little girl. It wasn't dealt with at all when I was a little girl. But all of a sudden I was aware of, but it's okay. You're all grown up now. You know how to ask for what you need. You know how to say what you don't want to do. You know how to say what you do want. Now go home and do that. And something, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, something changed so completely for me two months ago. Wow. There is an ease in my body that was not there. There is an open-heartedness especially toward my husband, and an undefendedness that feels like a miracle. Wow. Well, that's one way of, one experience of listening. Well, I can't, I'm glad I came here this morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's sharing. something, yeah. I mean, deeply profound about those stories that are common, yeah, right? that are and and yet just to hear like the grace that God has that is extended through your body even yeah. to bring that healing my body is what told me it was God yeah. in my body telling me it wouldn't have it was not on my radar this was not something I was thinking about right. it was completely off my radar yeah but my body showed me. Yeah. So I think you had asked earlier, or, or in some of the questions around trusting, I think that has given me permission mm. to trust this intelligence that my body holds, my heart, my gut, and the knowing that my body has yeah. that can't, that isn't in my conscious knowing. So for me, it requires just that intention of saying, I'm here hmm. and just let me hear what would be good for me to hear let me know what would be good for me to know hmm. and I often in those times I'm I'm resting my hands on my heart hmm. I'm resting my hands on my gut it feels like it's a way of knowing that I can't have any other way right. anyway thanks for listening <laughs> thank you um,
Does anyone, I want to, yeah, keep that extended question out, ways of listening. Or has there been an experience in your body that has shifted things? Jenny, you have a lot written down on those pages. <laughs> I'd love to hear more from you. <laughs> or, or even, like, mm -hmm. we can continue that. But if there's, I mean, something even just about the, the idea of the incarnation um, that you've been thinking about, um, you know, we want to hear from what, what you guys have been thinking about. Right, right. Kind of let mm -hmm. you bring those things um, to the table. I did have a really, really neat experience with God speaking through my body. Um, about eight years ago, um, to just give a little bit of background, four, four kids had come into my life in four years. Things were really crazy. Um, but yet I still was running half marathons. Um, so I went to San Francisco with my mom to do a race. And while we were there, I felt really terribly. We came home. I was in and out of the ER for the next two weeks lots of tests everybody was like you're totally fine go home um and then when they my body started shaking and my husband's like that's it we're going to the er neighbor came over to stay with the kids and we got in the car and i didn't have enough energy in like in my arm to close the car door my arm was that weak mm. um and so turned out i had inflammation in my spinal cord um yeah, spent like the next three months in bed. Mm. Um, but I remember that I kept holding my hands out and looking at them to see, am I still shaking? It was like this control thing, this check-in and check-in. Yeah. And um, it became a little bit obsessive, I think, with this like, how bad is the shake today kind of thing. Mm. And I heard an audible voice one day say, turn your hands around. Because I would hold them out palms down to check for the shaking. And the instruction was, turn your hands around, because I was blocking mm. everything, all the love, all the healing God was trying to give to me, because I was so stuck on the physical symptom that I could see. Mm. And, um, yeah. Mm. Such a simple thing, to just turn your hand around and receive. Mm. Would you say there's been gifts to that? Because I know, I mean, I know a bit of your story, and then this is, the health stuff is still a yeah. Ongoing. So they they still don't know what it is. They they are pretty certain it's something autoimmune that caused the inflammation in my spinal cord in the in the first place. But yeah, it's been over eight years. Um, so that's been another real journey for me was the journey of letting go of a need for a diagnosis. Mm. Um, letting go of the expectation that doctors can actually figure everything out because I think I actually thought that before this happened that you get sick and you go to a doctor and they know what's wrong and they give you something and you're good or <laughs> you eat this food and you're good or right. you rest and you're good and this idea that no there are so many things that we have no idea how to help or yeah or treat or cure um, so that you know that's that's been very eye-opening for me too I think and 
and again, getting back to the idea of control, I'm like, wow, I really had this idea that people are like in control of our bodies. And that was like, <laughs> that is not true. So it was just very eye-opening to me and has, has grown my faith in huge ways too. And this mm. like, no, even the, even the people that know so much about bodies don't know so many things about <laughs> bodies. So that's been cool. So yeah, God's, you know, God's kind of message to me has just been listen, listen to what the needs are. Um, I, I changed my diet. I try and get more rest, things mm-hmm. like that. I would say one of the biggest struggles is still society's measure of your worth and meaning versus mm-hmm. um, what you're capable of or things like that. Um, so even just like recently stepping back from teaching because I can feel that that's the right thing to do right now for my body mm-hmm. is still hard. Even introducing ourselves this morning, it's like, oh, I don't work anymore. What am I going to say about right. myself, right? It's one right. of those basic, mm-hmm. I'm so-and-so and I do this. Um, yeah. So, I mean, all of that is just so valuable in terms of self-identity, self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, a good friend of mine has also spent the last year and a half journeying through some chronic illness and pulled back from her many, many adventures in life to just raising three children, which is not a just <laughs> at all. Um, and so it's, you know, we're kind of sharing this journey about um, owning this role of I'm, I'm being a mom. That's, this mm-hmm. is, this is where I am. This is what I'm, this is what I do, right? Um, and it's more than enough. Right. Um, so that's been really mm. interesting. And I mean, I know not everybody has the ability to do that. I know many families, both parents need to work to function, or maybe it's a single parent family and that person definitely has to work. But right. I'm in a position to be able to do that. And so that's, that's what my body the finite energy that I have in this point in my life, that's where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Worthiness is something that I don't, I mean, I'm sure I've got something, to, you know, to deal with in my own life about worthiness, but I'm hearing worthiness and then I'm thinking, oh, about women and the pressure to be worthy as a partner or as a, you know, to even enter into society where power and, you know, yeah. so you got to be powerful to compete and all these things. And, yeah, I, I'd love to hear more about your experiences about seeking worthiness or your understanding of worthiness now in your journey and in relation to your bodies, if I can ask that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to ask. Vulnerable <laughs> women. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, I know. But it, I think that's a good question because you, you said, like, in you're, you're closer to high school. And here's the thing about getting older is like those moments in high school are so indelibly (laughs) in your brain for the rest (laughs) of your life. And I don't know why Mm -hmm. those, those years, 16 to 24, I don't know, 22 are just like, they shape so much of how you, I don't, maybe they don't for everybody. I've just been, I think they might though. Um, I I qualify everything I say just so we know, because I'm a six on the Enneagram. (laughs) Anyways. Um, you were saying about high school 
the how you were hyper you were aware of like using your body mm. to gain something and then it also being used against you yeah and then we've moved into in the 40s you're and like your worth is kind of placed there and totally in, yeah in, in your 40s almost in your desirability in your desirability yeah yeah and in your 40s it somehow transmutes into your usefulness <laughs> like <laughs> i don't is that do you think that's a true thing and so is this thread of how it how to be worthy in our bodies of love of community um mm-hmm. it's still the same question it's just changed shape now I don't, and then I don't know what that looks like in the sixties. Other, other than you kind of said like you've, you're faced with capacity, and you're just like, well, mm-hmm. my body's saying it's time to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's well. I was just gonna say that's something that I don't like. I consider myself a very embodied person. Like my yeah, it's just part of who I am. But um, yeah, like hitting the capacity. I don't know what that will. Like that's a scary thought. It is a scary me. thought. Because, like, right now, I'm in my prime, my strongest, my, like, most endurance, most fertile, like, everything about me is in my prime right now. And so it's easy to love my body, and it's easy to incorporate my body into my practices because I know, like, I definitely trust my body. I know that she's capable of more than I have probably asked of her most times. Mm. And so it's easy. Like, it's easy to be embodied at this stage in my life, I find. Whereas, interesting. yeah, Yeah. I don't, it seems harder. (laughs) <laughs> when you're 65 it is scary it, it's, it is yeah, scary, scary to scary. let go um, and, it's, and there's gift in it mm. like that's what I'm what's, that's what's the gift like could you <laughs> could, mm. I, could I spiritual yeah. director and is you it, and is it what's more scary gift? or more gift yeah, that's a good yeah, question yeah. Um, well the gift in it is I relied a lot on my capacity, what I could do for you, how I looked, how, am I, as far as feeling worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And having to little by little by little let go of that is kind of bringing me home to more of who I am. Whether it's with my husband or with my, my husband and my kids, those are the places, and my grandkids, those are the places where I'm, I'm most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I, I need to be what you need me to be. Mm. And I've real like even having to say no to my son for babysitting sometimes is so hard to do. Mm. But there's something about it that's I think it's helping me show up a little more authentically me. Mm-hmm. Owning what is true. I I think it's I think that's the gift. More and more, I'm relying less and less on mm-hmm. that power, and I'm having to come home to. But who am I really? Mm-hmm. What do I really have to offer here? Right. And even the the whole question, my last spiritual direction session myself, ended up being around, what do I want? And I remember saying, I mean, I know what I would say to a directee, but it's like. <laughs> Really? Like, am I really allowed to ask that or to look at what do I want? And then in that time of sitting and listening, realizing there's nothing that I want that isn't good. Mm. It just, so it feels like I'm getting more in touch with Mm -hmm. that 
and less about what I have to do for you or earn what I have to earn your love for me. Right. Just showing up more authentically, I think. It's when, so part of, sorry. One of the things I realized when my mom was dying is that she could finally, in her like deep incapacity to live, <laughs> right? Her body is shutting down. She was finally able to let go and just be her created self. And, and in that way, lived more into, I think, more naturally into who mom was in her dying than she ever had in the years before, right? Like, I think that's been the gift of... It was a gift, and I'll say this, to see the end of a life and to, and to be able to watch that in that way. You, hopefully you hear me right, and I'm not thinking wasn't a great thing <laughs> it was not good did not feel good I still don't like it um, but there was gift in seeing that the truest part of us um, kind of just is and is totally loved and a, a whole unit and it was her body even though her body was feeling she was way more loving of her body than she had ever been like way more and I would say she was way more embodied in those months than I think she had ever let herself be before because she could just like oh this is what it is I don't know I again that's like a a mystery I hold and just I'm like whoa that that was that is there a return to more childlikeness where you know Hmm. fewer people depend on you you become more dependent and just being able to live in that space um, things Jenna morning. you mentioned <laughs> your body as a child and then you know when that started changing like then all hell breaks loose and um, hmm. you know like what what was it about being a child like just you know you're active you're climbing trees but is there anything that any and this goes for all of you that's like is there any kind of reclamation of hmm. that childness um, or when you become a woman is it like nope now, now you're a woman and what, I think some of that is part of the joy of having kids mm-hmm. um, and playing, like genuinely playing again and reminding yourself of the joy of just genuinely being in the moment and playing or going for a walk and noticing every little thing and stopping <laughs> and looking at every little thing mm-hmm. because I think you lose touch with a lot of that. Um, that's been the real blessing of having four kids has just been, mm. oh yeah. Remember how great it is mm-hmm. to look through the eyes of a child at the world? Like, the world is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and as a mom, you like, there's no worthiness issues with your kids. Like, your kids are like, sorry, mom, you're not worthy of my love. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I, the, yeah. There must, I know they there love must... me. Sometimes they don't like me very much, but they love me. That <laughs> I don't know. I feel like my kids are really sassy. <laughs> they would say stuff. <laughs> Well, they're just broken, Jackie. They're They're just just broken. broken. (laughs) I have have a story about it. It's my favorite photo that I've ever taken. Mm -hmm. So I was was hiking with my dog on Tuesday because that was last semester. That was my day off. So we would always go to the mountains together. And I had made it to the top and I was the only one there. Um, And I used a diva cup and it was full. So I was like, okay, so I need to empty this out. So I just like squatted behind a bush. 
and then I took it out and I took a photo of it. Like, oh my gosh! With this beautiful mountain scenery behind me. And after that, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, wow, this is delightful. This, I love This came from inside you. of me, and I always feel so powerful, like, dumping it onto the, the mm. earth. I'm like, yeah, I'm giving, I'm giving back to the earth this I gift of it. life that was given to me. And so, yeah, I take, now I just show it to anyone who freaks, who freaks out. Like, my cousin, he was, he was talking about, oh, like, that's so gross. And I was like, no, it's not. And so I, like, showed him this photo, and I, like, made him look at it. I was like, that came from inside of me. Oh, my <laughs> And gosh. he hated it, but I was just so proud of it. <laughs> I love that you're proud of it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to talk to Onion 10 years, then 20 years. And I know. Like, just to see where us? how this evolves. Right? This way of yeah. knowing already. Well, and yeah. it's, it's my wiring, like... My mom is not very open about her period yeah. or about, like, lady things. Um, <laughs> but my dad was always like, I feel so excluded. Like, I'm the only ma- man in the house, and yeah. I don't get to talk about tampons and periods. And I was like, well, we don't really talk about it that much. But, yeah, so, like, it's just this inherent wiring that I have that I'm like, this is incredible. This All, all these things that my body what does. A, what a incredible. gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, and I totally know that it's a gift because all my friends are, like, kind of, give me weird squinty eyebrows and they're like what are you doing are you okay like yeah oh I love it I love everything about that because you're talking my immediate thought is like how is Zoc feeling (laughs) right but that's my you can take care of yourself you don't need me to worry about how you're feeling you don't need to hold my world I don't (laughs) but it's just so funny and I love that um I want to talk more about that but maybe off the podcast (laughs) What a what a redemption. Like even your offering even to us this morning, like what a redemption of this thing. This, these processes that our bodies hold. And I said to this to Zach, because I was saying, like, Zach, we should talk to these three women. And you said something about like, oh, I would never have thought about that. Or I, I don't think about that. I don't li- think about what it is like to live in my body as Ever. I, right. Now I'm like, oh, I don't remember skinning my knee. Like, right. I am not present in my body at <laughs> all. Because it doesn't remind me that it's there unless I get sick. Right. So when I get sick, I'm like, stupid body. You know? <laughs> right. But otherwise, I'm like, yeah. It's just mm. a thing. Like, but I was saying, like, but we literally have no choice. We are, we are cycling. <laughs> like, we are connected to the world in a way and closer to the ground in a way um, that we can't ignore and we do to our detriment. So I so I just love that you are able to offer that at 20 um, to us. Like a freedom of like, this is nothing to be ashamed of. And even me at 41 thinking, I know there's nothing to be ashamed of, but yet I still feel a little <laughs> bit like, uh, don't talk about it in certain places. Right? Yeah. Like it's, and that's fine. And maybe there's a, I don't know, maybe that's fine in some spaces. My grandma doesn't need to know. Yeah, well, you can cut it out, but I just No, I love it share. all. This is part of it. Oh, no, this is exactly the conversation. Like, what does this being embodied mean? <laughs> Across our lives, spans. Yeah. So. Well, that, that's, that's actually good. one of my favorite ideas about the incarnation is that Jesus had to use the toilet. <laughs> like he like here's God mm-hmm. 
defecating. Now, yes. <laughs> and and that's what that's, a word to well, like that, what an image. Yeah. Yeah. But that to me that's it's beautiful. And it yeah. and it, it just kind of reveals the the goodness of God and the, the mercy of, of that. And so it's almost like, you know, when the little when the kids learn to use the potty and they're like, Look and yes, they stick a ring right in their face and every yes. visitor to the house is like, Look what I did. <laughs> you know, it's very exciting. Um, you know, I, that is a celebration of humanity and the body and you know what we are learning from our bodies mm. that you know it's like oh ho ho little kids right you know thank goodness they're not doing that when they're 40 you know <laughs> <laughs> well in a sense like, i might still be doing that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it reveals the goodness of god and the goodness of being human yeah 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 i think so which yeah, it's interesting because I feel like lots of Western Christianity has lost the bodily practices, like, as a part of your expression of faith. Yeah. So I was talking to my Muslim friend, and he's like, yeah, well, there's different positions to pray in that, mm-hmm. like, mean different things. So, like, if you're laying on your back, that's a pretty vulnerable position. And so I, yeah, I think there's just, there's so many ways that we could be incorporating our body more into our prayer life and our worship life. And, yeah, like, we should be dancing at church, and we should be... Yeah, and like I know that is like a white Baptist kid experience <laughs> of church, right? But because <laughs> I know that lots of people do dance in church, but yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. No, I think there's something there. We this is what I we've been thinking about and want to talk about too. Like, what are embodied ways of living and habits that shape us and form us? I I too have a Muslim friend who like just astounds me with the ways he can speak about. Like, I do this five times a day, and it does this in my heart. Like, this movement, right? And I'm like, whoo. And we have, we have this incarnation, and yet it's still, we're still so divorced from our bodies in, in that way. And so I think this is kind of one of the impetuses for this podcast is to like, whoa, we need to, I want to explore this more and see where the riches of this lie. And then where the good news is. For our bodies and our hearts, and because it's all a piece. So, anyways, okay. I we asked uh, Terry this too. So, what is something you are doing in your body, an embodied thing you are doing that's giving you life these days? And we kind of talked a little bit about that. But is there something that you're doing? I want to say I've recently gone back to doing yoga. Hmm. I feel like I really do need that kind of right. practice to be in my body yeah. and be with my breath. But the most profound thing to me over the last year has been I let myself fall in love with a dog oh. for the first time since I was 13 years yeah. old. And oh. there is something about this presence mm-hmm. and me being present to this presence right. and just caressing a dog and brushing a dog and loving a dog yeah. that feels like embodied yeah I'm with you practice <laughs> and he's cute too she, Johnny, she, she's so yeah. cute yeah Aww. yeah <laughs> cute thanks how about you doing a lot of walking hmm. um, like I said I spent a lot of my life running um, and just a very different experience walking and then a different experience again walking with my children. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
and you know my kids will sometimes be like slow down mom you walk so fast right and it and it's good because I'm like yes I am like walking with a purpose like right. and it's obviously to get somewhere else really right fast, <laughs> instead of looking at what's around me um so that's been that's been a lovely embodied experience mm. lately for me and I also just had to throw in we didn't even really talk about childbirth. Well, no. And um, yeah. I'm like, that's been a huge part of right. um, the embodiment experience, I know, for myself. Yeah. Um, okay, we might have to do a part, a part season, two someday. Season two. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that was pretty huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right yeah, yeah, over yeah. it. Uh, no, it, it is huge. No, it requires maybe its own. I don't know. <laughs> Let me come too, even though I've never yes, had children. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love it. How about you, Anya? Anything? Um, yeah, I've been... I like dancing. I just love dancing. Yeah. Um, and, like, as a kid, it was always just spinning. Like, I would spin with my head tilted one way. If, to, if I liked a song, I would just do that until the song was over. Yeah. And so I just, like, have found myself doing that in the kitchen, like, recently. And I'm like, oh, this is so lovely and yeah yeah I get dizzier than I did when I was a kid but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah dancing and singing really loud in the car yes I agree yeah with and that I'm one starting one. my yoga teacher training on Wednesday actually Ooh. so that'll be, that'll be great. fantastic yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 I'm so glad well. we're friends now <laughs> I'm gonna be, be following you yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. cool how, how about you Zach? Let's just open it up to you. Actually, what Janice oh. said about walking. Yeah. Like for me, walking, we, we live downtown. So walking along the river, and I take mm-hmm. walks to Inglewood and to breweries and record shops and yeah. just visiting there and then just walking downtown to the library. And yeah. I just love walking. Yeah. And uh, this summer, backpacking, and just, it slows me down. Mm-hmm. And it actually, like, as far as being in touch, I mean, talking about, you know, not being in touch with my body entirely true while backpacking like it's like oh my knees and my feet and like just listening to those little signals that are constantly firing um but then also just slowing down so that my thoughts can kind of slow down too Mm -hmm. and yeah just walking has been spectacular in the last five six years Mm -hmm. um cool so even men's bodies <laughs> they do. Men can live embodied lives. We need to do that one too. Yeah. We need obviously a 20s, 40s, 60s men. Oh, yeah. 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 Be... yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, men also have cycles, like hormonal cycles. So, oh. There's, just, there's no blood involved. So, <laughs> it's less apparent. I don't know if there's <laughs> any scientific proof for that. So. <laughs> Zach will be a whole note. Nope. <laughs> good awesome how about you oh yeah oh yeah I have been sleeping a lot more or or lying down a lot more like I've been practicing being horizontal (laughs) and it feels so good and I think this is my struggle right now is knowing when to stop and rest and so I never napped I have not I'm not a napper it stresses me out to nap I feel worse afterwards but lately the last couple months I've been Especially on a Sunday after church, I will come home and just get in bed for two hours. And I will just lie there and look out the window. And I feel safe and um, cocooned, which sounds so 
I don't know if that sounds cheesy, but I just, I feel held when I'm lying down. And I think I really need that lately. So <laughs> that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. is done at the Central Public Library here in downtown Calgary, uh, where the Luke's Coffee Shop graciously gives us coffee we for We pay for it. We money. pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> and music provided by Jennifer Oikawa. You can find her album Escape Plan to Canada uh, by the Jen Oikawa Trio on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your music. Support us by rating us and reviewing us on your favorite podcast platform.